1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the looms call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman, with another woodland escape. Well, welcome back to Cabin Country. I'm Fudd Klugman. And I am Bjorn Lloydstead. Earlier this summer, uh, Bjorn and I took a couple of trips visiting folks. We packed our masks and uh, kept our distance as we interviewed a couple of uh, favorites. Right. The first one uh, this summer was in Piers, Minnesota. Correct. Yes. And it's uh, none other than Thielen Meats. Yes.
1: Uh, A real piece of my history FUD uh, cabin country trips, you know, (laughs) headed up through kind of the countryside of uh, Highway 25. Right through uh, Foley and Gilman and Buckman and then Janola and Piers. And uh, Piers was always kind of a a welcome sight to us because it was every weekend (laughs) for, you know, basically a decade plus. 70s into the early 80s, and my folks kept going, obviously, after I did, but uh, Piers was always a stop. I mean, we talked on one episode about road food and favorite restaurants of various family members, and, and for my dad, Piers was very special because there was... Cafe he absolutely loved. I think I've mentioned the Main Street Cafe, right here right. Minnesota. And then it was just across the street and over to Thielen's Meats, and um, it was it was a weekend event for me. And uh, it's funny because on re- you know more recent trips we've made to the Gull River, your dad's mm-hmm. your dad's place or your cousin's shack, the the great bass fishing tournament, and uh, just right. enjoying the riverside and you know making the campfires and all that good stuff. We've we've stopped from time to time, largely at my arm twisting of you, Fudd. Let's let's go through <laughs> Piers, because I got to check out you know Thielen's Meats again and get some get some sausage and some bacon. Uh, my wife grew up spending a lot of time in Piers as her grandparents and her father actually were from Piers, and uh-huh. um, Thielen's Meat was a was a very very popular stop for everybody in town and, and the surrounding communities and uh i'd get an order right i mean i Mm -hmm. still do i mean there's a trip coming up here end of the end of the fall let's let's get back to the gull river and i've already got an order from my wife for thielen meats um specifically bacon and hot dogs and how many pounds are you ordered to get Uh, this time i'm getting 10 pounds of bacon uh, i think at some point she may reach for 20 (laughs) and i don't know if there's a crew of that size at this point but well, you know, it's just that good. It is. It is that good. It's thick, crazy. Thick cut bacon. Thick cut bacon and uh, fresh from their smokehouse. Mouth-watering. Mm-hmm. The hot dogs are amazing. Smoothly delicious. Country sausage. I mean, anything they're making is just good. And and I've, I think I've made a convert out of you, Fudd. Oh, yeah. Well, after interviewing Joe Thielen, which we'll
0: uh, let you hear in just a moment. Right, uh, right. I, I bought too small a portion of their smoked uh, or their beef jerky. And oh, my God god was it good yeah i think we ate half the bag on the way back to the cabin <laughs>
1: yes we did yep.
0: and uh, i think i saved just enough to share with uh my daughter who's, who's seems to like jerky so and uh in fact earlier uh, on a on our last trip with the family we uh stopped by on a sunday uh-oh and they were closed yeah
1: never that, on a sunday that was disappointing Anyways, I'm looking forward to getting Our more next trip, jerky. Yeah, just a week or so coming away up here, here. And, yes. and honestly, and and, and this kind of leads into some of the interview fud. I could not stop myself a few years back. Very cool black baseball cap with a Thielen mm-hmm. logo on the top. Uh, in red red stitching. Thielen meets Piers, Minnesota. Now that has become a constant piece of my apparel when we go out in the field to do interviews or we just yeah. head up to the cabin we go out into the cabin country and enjoy some fishing time some campfire time i always have my feelings hat on and uh it never fails yeah someone always comments on the hat oh my right. gosh feelings yeah wow how great is that don't yeah. you don't you wish it was closer to the twin cities and i would say no i don't because <laughs> i'd go bankrupt or part b you know it's, it's part it of be. the trip for me i mean it's yeah. just you get we're almost to the cabin in this you know back in the day our cabin now modern era you know going to your dad's place mm-hmm. um to get to piers for me is like we're back to what i remember you know yeah really outstanding bacon really outstanding sausage products and uh so i wear that hat i get comments on it all the time right and uh and then like i said meeting my 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 wife i mean i was gonna meeting this young lady and eventually <laughs> we're married and lo and behold you know she she knows the town so well spent so many years with her grandparents uh, summering in, in peers uh, she was born in Little Falls so it's it's a well-known commodity I mean everybody knows Thielen's meat, and um, it was just kind of cool uh, so you'll hear me in this interview with Joe um, the Thielen company was great enough to respond to our request Uh, I'll reference that hat several times, like, well, I'm wearing a hat, you know, and I I always get these comments, and I keep forgetting you can't see me, so (laughs) what hat? You got a fedora on, a fez, a beanie, what do you, you know, no, it's a Thielen Meets hat, and uh, I I wear it with pride, I wear it with pride, because it is part of my childhood growing up, you know, making that stop every weekend. So it was very cool that uh, they agreed to let us come in finally, and I could sit down and see the the back workings of a place I've known since I was probably seven years old, you know right and uh I'm glad to see they're still still doing well and that the family's very invested in this. It shows no signs of of slowing down they're just full steam ahead and we got the opportunity to sit down with Joe Thielen, who is uh one of the one of the kids of the original thelan right. that, uh, that uh you know we'll find out through the interview it's it's been around since about the nineteen twenties. But the meat market proper really kicked into gear about the 1960s, and it was 10 years later or so that I started making so it my meat. So was new we, and up-and-coming. Right, a yeah, it was the brand-new, full-length, you know, store-length meat case, and just the smell. You walk in and that smell of the smokehouse. And, Boy, I'm getting hungry right oh, now. Oh, I know. I, it's I, ridiculous. I need I, some beef jerky. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Somewhere there's bacon cooking, and uh, nothing says cabin country like that type of thing, so... Perhaps we quit gabbing about it, yeah, and get on with our interview with Joe Thielen from Thielen Meats. Um, should we add to Fud that we were kind of trying to figure out our our three microphone situation? So Fud will chime in from time to time with a question. Oh, yeah. he'll be a little hard to hear, a little out of reach of the microphone. So just sorry a about little that. bit. Fud was doing more of the field engineer piece, and basically, yeah. it's either a good thing or bad. I was a bad doing thing. Don's job. Yes, Don. Where were you, Don? Well, you I've know, been. For Pete's sake, we needed you. Where were you? But, he was ordering uh, meat at the counter. He was probably, yeah, sussing out the various flavors of beef jerky and getting his fill. But, uh, yeah, you'll hear a lot of me, so I trust <laughs> that that won't make you switch away now. But uh, without further ado, we sit down in Piers, Minnesota with Joe Thielen. When did this all start? I mean, when did when did this an well, empire kickoff I guess you uh, could say.
2: the original building is located right next door that started in 1922 okay and that would have been my great grandpa built that but it wasn't so much a meat market I did have you know some meat right stuff in it but right. it was a general store really sure okay and I, even at that time they did things like they bought eggs and they they, they butchered cows chickens okay. so basically all around general store and sure it, I think it was my grandpa then that finally saw that's kind of probably what's going to What needs to keep going out of a general store, I guess, or he thought that was the part he wanted to keep going. So in the 60s, uh, he built, for the most part, what we have today. We've Mm -hmm. added on a little bit, but for the most part, the retail area is is what he built in the 60s. Okay, so the 60s is when that kicked in,
1: because we started driving through in the 70s, early
2: 70s. Yeah, and, and, that, I mean, and it was here, so that made a huge difference for him because yeah. what he was selling out of was a little tiny case in the back room of a store. Okay, and now all of a sudden he's got this huge showroom that with a meat case that's ten times longer than right. what it was. So I mean, right. it was just. I remember my
1: father-in-law used
2: to talk about whatever
1: at night, whatever night of the week it was here in Piers where you guys were doing like, like certain meats would come out fresh, mm-hmm. and everybody in town would come rolling in. So that was kind of cool. Remind me now, Joe, what night, what night of the week was? What, he, what would he say?
2: Hot bologna night. Was yeah, a great yeah. in fact, that still goes on today. It does? Yeah. Okay. Well, today's, actually, yeah, today's Wednesday, so today it is in Genola. Got it. Uh, tomorrow it'll be in Piers. There's two different bars that serve it, and it comes hot out of the smokehouse around lunchtime, yeah. so we got to come in a little bit early to get it started. Sure. And then about lunchtime, we bring it down there, and it'll get bakery buns and horseradish, and so okay. you're right, it does drop kind of pretty good. Right, cold, you know?
1: right. Janola and groovers doesn't exist anymore does it
2: no that's been probably 15 years or so okay. i think since they they sold it out of their family and then the next owners didn't right. really do much with it i just so. remember the
1: signs being was such a kick driving up here <laughs> whoa you missed groovers my, <laughs> yeah. my folks always like what's Groovers? that's groovers and we'd stop and they loved it because they had all the candy in bulk and all that kind of fun yeah. you know the yeah. sponge candy and things. i haven't seen this they grew up in farm country kensington and glenwood so mm-hmm. way out west but uh so it's been here for a good long time, started out of a general store kinda of affair. That's pretty cool. Would you say that the spotlight offerings are like the bacon and the sausage?
2: Yeah, for sure. Anything that we make homemade that's smoked, you know, yeah. it's our smoke houses I think that, that people are coming for. So anything okay. that we process through that is right. definitely the main reason people stop. But of course, you know, over the years we've added quite a bit to that lineup too, but uh, that's our that's the meat of it.
1: Well, I knew I knew you at one point. I, was, I think it was in the 1990s. Um, I heard Oprah Winfrey talking about Thielens meets mm-hmm. on national television. I thought, my God, I know where that is.
2: You know, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, did that have any kind of an effect that you were getting celebrity status by that point? Well, or? if I'm if it is what I'm thinking of, probably it was in around '02. I want to say, which isn't yeah, far off. We were right. mentioned in an article in the New York Times and here in central minnesota i knew that article was coming out but i'm like ah, who cares you know that's right the New York times what was that i mean I know yeah. what. never seen one never read one well <laughs> when that came out that day uh i that was a li- one of the life-changing moments for yeah. myself it was just the phone didn't quit ring we had two phone lines sure for three weeks straight the phone literally did not quit ringing it'd be kind of a pleasant surprise you know? well it was it, it was a lot all at once because we had we did not see that coming right and I suppose your workload
1: then tri- you know, triples quadruples oh, yeah. because
2: luckily at that time my brother my, my two brothers and myself didn't have kids yet at that time okay and my mom and dad were a little younger so they were helping too and it was a good thing and it was that timing because right now there's no way that we could really keep up with that kind of craziness with the family you just can't work yeah. the way we we're oh, doing it, so I, I hear you I hear you loud and clear um, um I love the fact
1: on the website uh, you talked a little bit about it was a process. processing. Yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. boy, my brain was just fried there for a minute, but um, is it predominantly deer, is what you're seeing coming in. Is
2: yeah, working with that, local That's hunters? the majority of it, but believe it or not, you know, as far away as we are from elk or moose country, we still yeah. cut up some of that, you know. Okay, and uh, a few black bear, but yeah, for the most part, deer. You know, especially the last few years, is pretty healthy deer herd in Minnesota. So right, uh, right. Sometimes we'll cut up the whole deer, actually skin it out, debone it, cut it. And okay. other times people just bring in the stuff they've already done and, and have us make sausage out of it.
1: Okay. All right. I mean, is it the kind of deal too, like the moose, I imagine that's coming in from like the northern part of the state or southern Canada
2: maybe? It's either Canada or uh, some of the western countries, I don't know, or western western states like in Man- the country maybe. Like
1: northern Montana? Or yeah. Idaho, places like that, I suppose. Yeah, I know moose are, are kind of hard to find. I'm I, in the boundary water is a fair piece and you don't even see them all that frequently in the boundary water is that so, right i haven't yeah, been up there yeah, in a long time but they're they're challenging to find um turkeys do you ever see turkey hunters bring them in
2: <laughs> yeah we smoke you know obviously just in the springtime but we smoke and then another thing that actually turns out the best i think is jerky okay so we'll take the breast and slice that up and yeah that's so, a good size piece of meat so yeah there's some of them can get pretty big
1: <laughs> turkeys are so incredibly smart if you're a turkey hunter and you're new at it, you might not. It may be a while before you actually get one. But I was thinking
2: they, that might lots, be a thing. They're a lot smarter than what you give them credit for. That's right. for sure. Cause it, right. And somehow or another, it seems like in the off season they let their guard down a little bit. Somehow they know that they're yeah. not being chased. Yeah. Then, then they're you, allowed you to get a You can't shoot closer. me, so I'm just going to walk through your yard. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You see that? Then, then wait till the season opens up, and boy, right. they get very wise, very, very quick. So right, right.
1: Um, thinking about uh how times have changed so you kind of opened up as a meat market proper in the 60s times changing um are there products you don't offer anymore that you did back in the 60s are the things that are not were not maybe quite as uh, popular now that were back then or
2: have you added things because there's been a call for it well it's I guess as long as I've been here I don't remember us dropping too many products it's one thing that kind of keeps us going is the fact there's a lot of older people that realize there's few places you can get some of these things like right. red cheese brown schwager sure like you don't just go to the grocery store and get that so mm-hmm. liver sausage blood sausage right so it might seem a little out of date that we're still making that but you know people will drive a long ways for it because sure. you can't find it everywhere it's so. a specialty i mean yeah. you, you guys make it and they know it and you make it well so they, they're
1: going to keep coming here
2: any, anything new you've added to the line? Oh, we've added quite a bit. Uh, when I started here, there was probably you know maybe a dozen sausage products or maybe fifteen sausage products that we made, and eh, maybe even a few more than that. Sure. Um, and we're we still made it. Make make those. We've decided we're not, of course, going to change anything with the original recipes. But yeah, right. we've added a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, nowadays a lot of people. to They'll have a sausage, but some want a cheese in it or jalapenos sure. or wild rice. Okay. And we've added things like marinated chicken, marinated pork chops. Mm-hmm. So just a lot more specialty items. People want to try a variety, variety more. So than- Take them from here and they're already
1: ready to go in the kitchen as soon as they get home. Yep. How do you respond then, Joe, to some of these places you hear on the the radio where they're talking about the blueberry brats? Mm-hmm. Well, that that could work you know or chicken apple all this kind of stuff
2: yeah you know as a rule of rule of thumb i i generally try to make things that are kind of appealing to me and and of the many varieties of sausage we have for the most part we'll do things like add cheese or add wild rice or Mm -hmm. uh, we do some beer brats sure i don't get very much into the artificial stuff like taco seasoned brats right using artificial or pizza flavored brats right i just don't i don't really believe in that or gummy yeah. bear you know that sort yeah. of thing i like to add just you know natural ingredients to it that are can change the flavor a little absolutely.
0: bit absolutely growing up did you think you were gonna be in the, the
2: yeah consensus? did
1: you see this becoming kind of something you're gonna be doing or were you gonna be an astronaut yeah. no not when i was younger I didn't,
2: I didn't really think i was gonna do this but then okay. i did try a year of college and then i had a little other a couple other things that i was doing throughout yeah. high school and a little bit after and but uh within a year of graduating high school I was back here full-time sure because that that, that's when I think I grew up enough to realize what I had here right and uh just decided I never looked back from there either you know I've always once I came back here full-time it just I fell in love with it and I I couldn't I don't really want to do anything else so is there a time of year
1: where you, you get a little more time to relax some and business maybe Gets a little more normal. I'm imagining for you guys seasoning or seasonally, excuse me,
2: summer is, is a crazy time. Yeah, summer and then that going into fall is busy too. Sure. So usually hunter's about up. hunters and yep. then Christmas. But uh, yeah, usually January, February, March. Okay. Winter months. Time to get your. Get your breath back and... Yeah. Right. We see some snowmobilers go through, but they're not big with uh, shopping for meat. You know, a lot of times they'll go trail riding and they're not interested. They're looking for a restaurant, not a, not it, a meat market. Exactly. Yeah, a so bar. that gives us a yeah. little time to get caught up. Better yet, a bar restaurant. Kill two <laughs> birds with one stone. That right? would be the best. Right, right. Do you get to
0: hunt it all yourself? Do you do that or...?
2: As much as I can, you know, a lot of years it just amounts to hunting around home. We've got a little bit of land sure. that we hunt around here and that's yep. always nice because if I can sneak out a little bit early, uh, from work, I can be out in my deer stand and, you know, in a half hour right. after I leave here. So that, that we always do. And then occasionally, uh, you know, we'll get out of state once in a while and do some hunting for something rather. So either elk or whatever, whatever comes up. Right. Right, and you said you have done some processing of have you ever had elk come rolling in? oh, yeah, yeah, we do probably a dozen or so a year, okay, that come from it's a L- good size Colorado animal. Yeah, yeah, there are yeah
1: well, and I and maybe you can correct me on this one, Joe, because I've been corrected many times <laughs> by many brighter people than myself. I had a, a buddy who swore that he liked to elk hunt and loved the taste, and I've eaten thought <laughs> have you eaten elk? no, I had it out in Colorado. It's delicious, unbelievable um but he said oh yeah there's every elk has two they're not teeth so much as tusks and they're actually ivory they're yeah, not yeah. and so that's for real yeah it's that's not just real. That's the my eyes no, yeah i will okay.
2: if i uh any of them that i've ever been that we've gotten when i'm on hunting trip we'll yeah. harvest those out and keep them as a souvenir sure um yeah they're pretty they're not real big they're maybe you know big as around as a dime or something like that right. but, i love the fact that I wear I wear this hat, or or we just talk about the
1: podcast, and we're going to talk to the the Thelans about the meat market, and people know what we're talking about. You know, they immediately know if they're from Minnesota, they know what we're talking about. So that's that's extremely yeah. cool, and I, I love the fact that it was it was you were willing to come back and and keep rolling with this because well, yeah, I can't imagine I, it's like hey, you got this wonderful business
2: that just keeps getting stronger, but I got to go out and see what else there is, and then
1: now you know what <laughs> we're going to keep rolling with that well,
2: so well hopefully some of either my kids or my brother's kids will do that too because we're, yeah. we're fourth generation now and to get to fifth generation is pretty rare you know yeah. sooner or long sooner or later yeah. you know all good things can come to an end but uh, right right now we've got seven kids that are okay. uh, that are in school now yeah. that have a chance of coming up here and Sweet. having an opportunity at outstanding it, so. what colleges are they <laughs> they're all in they're all about the same age and i think the oldest one is 14 Oh, okay, and the youngest one is uh, eight, so between okay. eight and fourteen. So we got a few years to sure okay. think about all that. <laughs> yeah, they're going to like the peers' schools here. Yep, all of them go to peers. A couple okay. of our, uh, a couple of their moms, are teachers at school. there. Okay, so, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, like I say, driving through this town for so many years, I thought it was just Main Street. You know, for us, for my family, it was two <laughs> stops: the Main Street Cafe, yeah, maybe the gas station, depending on whether we had to. Mm-hmm. hurry up and get out of town and dad didn't have time to gas up main street cafe and then Thielen's, and then strap yourselves in because that 25 miles to brainerd is the single longest stretch of road on planet earth <laughs> you know and uh and i just remembered yeah that's that's pretty much Piers, and then getting to know a family that grew up here Realize this town is actually much bigger than you see from just the main drag coming through.
2: Well, it's got some pretty nice amenities. You know, having a nice little golf course down yep. there and a the campground—that's always yep. nice. We kind of yep. grew up down in around that area with sure. the with the swimming area and right river to fish in. Exactly, There's a lot of opportunities for recreation. Pictures there. of my father-in-law hoisting
1: Northerns out of that little river. So, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I, again, I remember that back in the day, kind of a, a two for one package: ginola and Piers. <laughs> yeah, and that all of a sudden it went from like there's guys every we'd drive through town there'd be guys pitching horseshoes right on the edge of Janola, and then within 10 years there was like this big arena and then they were having like state horseshoe pitching tournaments and then it was like this big event and bands and all this and I was like oh my goodness and then you know, driving through the last few years, it's like, that's all kind of faded again a little bit, going back to normal a little bit,
2: but... Uh, well, you've got a pretty good memory.
1: Yeah. That's a pretty good
2: <laughs> pretty good description, I think, of how I it just went. remember
1: I was, like, seeing the, the name Primus Burger on some things, and yeah. all of a sudden there was a Primus Burger Arena. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was Groover's, and I was like, we're going to stop in Groover's? I don't know, it's getting a little too big for us at this point. Let's just keep going. we gotta, we got to get to Piers.
2: If you go back towards Brainerd again, what used to be the Primus Burger Arena down yeah. in Genola, Yeah. if you go for it, you know, there's that uh, Barrett Pet Food up there that... Yeah, building yeah. on that yeah. building, the original building there is the old Burger so Arena. Took it apart and moved it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it is now standing up there. Maybe they've
1: got a horseshoe pit for the workers on the <laughs> take a take a break off the the meat grinder and yeah. pitch some shoes. Oh, that is super cool. Well, Joe, thank you so much for some time here. We you know we wanted to. Get to know what the story was here behind something that, like I said, I've grown up my whole life. You guys, it was for us, it was always bacon and hot dogs, bacon and hot dogs, yep. bacon and hot dogs. Yep. And, uh, and then, then I meet my wife, and it turns out she's from this area and spending summers with her grandparents and peers. And she, oh, you're missing the whole hot bologna thing. And then <laughs> don't forget about you know, it's like, oh, okay. So it was just cool that I was like, man, there's more to this, there's a lot more to this. And then start doing a little research and minor celebrity in the family, I understand, with a chef and who's got a a book series and tv show and the whole bit and
2: yeah she's done uh she's done a couple of really good cookbooks i think she yep. got her second james beard award a couple yeah. years ago so yeah. that's pretty incredible it was a, was a michelin star chef in new york city if i'm not mistaken yeah. for a while. Yeah. i'm a bit of a food geek
1: so i was like hey i saw that name and i thought is that the same tie-in with the family and then yep. she actually referenced this meat market on her show on pbs so i was like well I guess that answered that question, yeah, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, that's her there first cousin, so that's cool because yeah. th- she had a specific episode where she said, In honor of my family's meat market, tonight we're doing hot baloney, and so and it even showed you know the people sitting around and making sandwiches and sitting in the kitchen and shooting the bowl. And mm-hmm. I was like, Wow, that is so it definitely is the real, the real deal. We'd just like <laughs> to thank Joe Thielen from Thielen Meat Market for giving us the inside scoop on an iconic Minnesota. Legend I guess I would say because so many people know it so well and I get so many questions and comments So thanks much for all your time. All right, we'll, uh, we'll let you get back to work.
2: Okay. Well, thank you guys <laughs> Absolutely. Thank yeah, you. that was nice that Super cool.
0: Well, and there he was uh, it was great to hear you know, just about the the history of it and we sat in his Office, which I think was his dad's office. He had all kinds of paraphernalia Yeah, cool hunting, hunting, trophies, hunting trophies That yeah. uh, didn't yeah. stay at the house but
1: uh, the biggest, the, the biggest, and bestest of the hunting trophies were at home with Dad's yeah, house. But right, they, but these were here too, and some really interesting, you know, mule deer, Arctic fox, uh, yeah. caribou, for peace Yeah, you know, all this cool and stuff. The, and they
0: trophy knife stuck in the ceiling. Right. When they, when you wear out a knife, it's
1: <laughs> ten to fifteen. <laughs> you years. You'll Whip it up in the ceiling. Yeah. Meat cutting, it it gets retired and into the office. And uh, I would say Joe is is a, a succinct individual. You know. Well, yeah. And he was he was he was up front of like, well, I. I can answer your questions. You and he, was, he was probably
0: like, uh, "You're making my life flash before my eyes here, uh, right. Bjorn, because you know the
1: history better than I do." And well, <laughs> you know, I am a history guy, and, and yeah. Peers to me is very interesting. I've spent a lot of time there, especially after getting married to a to a, a Piers lifer family. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, it was a great opportunity and i was really glad he could take time out of his very busy day i mean there was a lot going on while we were there yeah I mean, business was booming right and uh joe gave us a good half hour to sit down and just you know yeah ask those questions we've always i at least i've always wanted to ask and i think you were you were like yeah this is a good good thing to to hear about because i'm yeah. so used to the mouth-watering jerky and various <laughs> right. flavors and by the time I get home there's a piece left for my kids. Yes. Oh no. Barely. Oh no. But uh the good news is they'll make more, you know. They will. And Every you you can order you, uh online, can't you? you oh mean, I think can, I believe you can, yeah. I think I think they've got a website that is uh definitely set up and attuned to the distance order. So and, and Joe was even referencing at one point how that New York Times article, you know, all of a sudden their yeah. online business was just going crazy and they were trying to, you know,
0: you know, we should have warned Joe ourselves that, well, after all our listeners <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, in Cabin Country.
1: Hey, to those of you that have stayed with us, we love it. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And please tell 18 of your best friends <laughs> right. and all their relatives to start listening to Cabin Country because yes. uh, we may we may send them a coffee mug at some point. And sadly, you'll have to order your own jerky. That stuff is, yeah, well, that I, stuff is worth its weight in gold. And, and uh, I'd love to suggest maybe people hearing this was add to the feeling oh, yeah. business. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Business plan. Yeah, you will not be disappointed. So that's that way sure. you can uh, some chew, chew on
0: some jerky or fry up some bacon, drink some coffee and listen to the Cabin Country podcast. That's
1: right. Think back to that great interview with Joe and, and uh, anytime you're on Highway 25 or cutting across from some of the other highways, man, make a stop. Make a stop because you'll be glad you did.
0: Excellent. Well, we're going to take a short break, but we will come back with even more entertainment from Cabin Country. Waves, water, sun, the sound of a cast and a lure hitting the surface, the weight, the excitement. Many an angler ups the ante, the scent that will drive fish wild. Angler Deep Blue, the elixir that will guarantee strikes and ensure you catch your limit. Angler Deep Blue, the attractant that creates a frenzy in the depths. The proper mix of gizzard shad, fermented crab, herring, garlic, anise, and parsnip. Dip your bait in Angler Deep Blue and then send out your lure. Whether bobber fishing or trolling, Angler Deep Blue sends out a calling card to walleye, pike, bass, and crappie saying the bait you want is over here. Why waste your time on leeches, minnows, or rubber worms? Strike now while the scent is in the water. Angler Deep Blue is the attractant that draws the limit to your live well and makes competition fishing almost seem boring. Angler Deep Blue is the only attractant for lures and live baits that also works well as a summer season cologne. For those with an itinerary that includes the club after a day's fishing, Angler Deep Blue is your best last spritz before leaving the car and heading for the dance floor. The addition of patchouli oil, bergamot, and cedarwood create a lingering aroma that will have many night lovers asking, what is that scent?
1: Good evening, sir.
0: Can I have a look at your ID? Absolutely, my good man. All right. Enjoy your
1: evening. <coughs> have a great time. <laughs> oh.
0: Angler Deep Blue, have you got it on you? And now, real adventures of the CCOA, the Cabin Country Outdoors Agents, featuring Officer Bill Torgy Torgeson on his tireless efforts to maintain law and order in the unpredictable wilds of Cabin Country. Tonight's episode,
1: Jack the Ripper, part one. It was Friday night in Cabin Country. I'd been out for the better part of the day, trying to settle a dispute over the shooting of the local woodchuck population. They were back. They were digging under foundations again. Cabin owners' dogs were going nuts. Small kids were talking about how cute they were. This one was a head-scratcher with no easy out. It was the evening right after the golden hour. I could take off the agent's hat and go back to being myself. I was at the Sportsman's Cafe enjoying my 23rd cup of coffee at the end of a long day when my cell buzzed. I looked toward my phone with a mixture of exhaustion and duty. At this time of day, I had a strong suspicion of what I'd see. I was right. A 266. Live box destruction. The cabin owner suspected a large snapping turtle. Given the original construction of his live box, this would have to be a giant snapping turtle. A bead of sweat formed on my brow. This had to be Jack. Now for those new to the story, Jack the Ripper as he was locally called was no ordinary snapper. This turtle was simply the largest reptile the Gull Lake-Gull River area had seen in decades. Complaints about Jack were nothing new. He was a repeat offender whose career spanned decades. Various lake place owners around the area had complained about the brute. These complaints had come in over the course of years. Anglers complained about Jack, but maybe "complained" was too mild a word. They feared this armored giant. There wasn't a live box Jack couldn't shred. It didn't matter if the live box was bolted to the deep water section of a dock or inshoreward near the shallows. Pressure treated lumber, composite board, hard plastic, Even aluminum. Jack destroyed live boxes as if they were made of children's Lincoln logs. Jack was efficient. Any cabin guest or owner who puts the day's catch on a stringer to be cleaned later would return to the dock to find skeletons, floating fins, and a clear lake bed beneath where the carnage had occurred. Local waterfront owners were well aware that the well-constructed live box was no better against the ripper. An angler would basically need a diver's shark cage to keep this snapper away from their catch. What puzzled everyone around the chain of lakes area was the sheer longevity of this cold-blooded killer. Tales of Jack were well-established in anglers' childhoods. Mothers, fathers, great uncles were talking about the behemoth turtle that could destroy any live well ever built. You'd better just clean those fish now. When you come back later to get them, you'll be finding a grizzly scene, I assure you. I put a new piece of gum in my mouth, paid for my coffee, and donned the hat. The agency pickup fired with a roar and I headed out towards the highway that would take me to the fire road that flanked the Gulf. I'll admit my mind started running through the scenarios that locals would have to face when it came to the Ripper. Putting in the dock in the spring could be an eerie event. Cold, clear, largely weed-free water synced up with the time of year when reptiles and amphibians came out of their winter slumbers. When you donned the waiters and grabbed a ratchet wrench, Jack was out there. Many a dock owner along the gull was known to take a break with a high-speed slog as a perceived shadow passed near them while tightening dock bolts in the water. Dockside swimming required vigilance. Sunbathers floating on air mattresses were taking a distinct risk. Working on your outboard motor in the water can be dangerous to say nothing of the kids floating in their inner tubes. Over the years, Jack had created several situations involving each of these scenarios. But his real target was the day's or evening's catch as it awaited cleaning, swimming, in a live box. I tipped my hat forward into business mode as I turned onto Edie Road, a maintained dirt road with driveways marked by fire numbers and homemade signs. The truck slid for a moment as I hit the gas along the road cut. This was sandy country amidst the oaks and maples. The rain created piles of loose sand that made driving somewhat tricky, not to mention pulling a trailered boat. The sand did make deer tracking easier, but that was another story. For a calmer evening
0: be sure to join officer Torgi torgeson in the next exciting episode of real adventures of the ccoa right here on cabin country this program is a work of fiction names characters places and incidents are either products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously any similarity to actual events locations or persons living or dead is entirely coincidental Well, there we are, the uh, part one of uh, Real Adventures of the Minnesota Outdoors Agents, part one. We'll make sure to keep steady with those now, and, and uh, we got to see what happens with right? with Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. Those uh, snapping turtles. I think I did mention that my dad saw one this summer off the dock uh, on the Gall River that was just the biggest one he ever saw. Maybe that was Jack. I'm not sure. Did he give us a size report? for uh, Well, uh, you know, he made a huge circle bear hug symbol with his arms like the thing was this huge i couldn't believe it and yeah it's um the girls and myself haven't really been in the water much lately not after just that tale but uh, <laughs> you know each year the weed weed uh thickness in the water is a little different and absolutely and um but, you know my oldest girl isn't really afraid of she's a good swimmer and she wasn't afraid of just kind of swimming out in the channel there. And I was trying to keep positive, and that's great as I'm looking around, looking for <laughs> shadows in the water. Okay, why don't you come back There's in now?
1: something drawing a wake heading towards you.
0: Want to try some fishing now? Uh, no,
1: come on back in. we we'll get it. some plastic, plastic baits we should try. You need to get out of the water.
0: Radio Or uh, maybe have to get that giant treble hook with the rotten hot dogs. <laughs> rotten
1: on. wiener. We'll, we'll see. That's right.
0: But um, since our last recording, we headed up for our fall, annual fall trip. Buck Fielding could not make it, couldn't as a matter make, of fact. Couldn't make it. And um, a lot of it had to do with uh, the uh, the pandemic everybody's aware of these days. and That's right. Wanting Somebody. to be extra safe. One of the kids didn't feel all that well. He stepped right. out wisely. Yes, indeed. Turned out to be... Not not an issue, but that's you know better safe than sorry. Absolutely. But, but it was yeah. a good time. We had excellent weather. In fact, we posted a, you know the a little short video of of riding that last uh, tracker boat ride on the on the oh, river absolutely. there. Absolutely. It was just beautiful. Of course, it was past prime.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got right up by the edge of the dam. Didn't, we did. Didn't venture into the stay back area. Yeah, but we, we got we
0: got as close as we could get and. I like to closely monitor my, uh, what is it? The Lowrance, uh, depth finder, fish finder kind of thing. And I didn't really realize that close to the dam there is really the deepest part. Yeah. At a whopping 26, 26 feet, 26 feet. My goodness. And, um, well, I'm going to segue into something else here, Bjorn. We were just talking before the show here that, uh, yesterday was, uh, An important anniversary,
1: wasn't it? It was for a fact. It was uh, the 45th anniversary of the loss of the SS Edmund Fitzgerald.
0: Should we cue one more time?
1: (laughs) Homage to Gordon Lightfoot and obviously the sad reality that all 29 went down with the Edmund Fitzgerald on the 10th of November. 1975, 1975. And I, I got to be honest, Fudd, every time I think about that, uh, I don't know if it's just a Minnesota thing or a Great Lakes thing or, or what it is, but, boy, you can't mention the name of that vessel, and, and you get kind of kind of wistful and at the same time a, a little spooked. I mm-hmm. mean, the whole idea, you know, and Gord said it so well when the when the gales of November come slashing. I probably just messed that up. My apologies to Mr. Lightfoot, but uh, well, I sounds right. I can't imagine. I mean, you know, I was hearing a little bit on the on the internet about about you know what made up the Edmund Fitzgerald and the hatchways. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I, I might have my numbers wrong here. I think they said there was twenty-seven hatchways going down the length of that vessel, mm-hmm. and uh, all of them weighing you know tons and just huge, you know, big metal doors, very thick, very strong. And they talked about the, the clasps that kept these hatches in place, these giant screws. and You know, it, you really would have your work cut out for you to try to, to do any damage to these things. And the, you know, it always brings me back again to Lightfoot. With the, I forget the line exactly, but it talks about a certain time of the night where the main hatchway caved in. Wow. And, uh, boy, a respect for the power of that water. I mean, yeah. I have always had a... A love for Lake Superior and and a definite respect for it as well. And in mm-hmm. 1975, I wasn't very old. We were both relatively young men. Yeah. And just thinking about something that size, you know, referred to at one point as the Queen of the Lakes. It was the biggest ore hauler out there and, uh, you know, built to survive everything. And, man, November 10th, 1975, kicked up a storm that could collapse a, a hatchway that you know could could handle just about anything else and uh but not that not the volume of water lashing and, uh, gales of my goodness yeah november just unbelievable and then that of course leads me back to talking with todd, uh, todd matthews excuse me and um you know the minnesota diving school right and uh talking about if you ever thought about going down i don't remember if todd spoke about it or not but i was i was talking at one point with a an accompaniment. Uh, an accompaniment. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gales of November are doing something to my brain, here, but I'm not quite sure. Where are we? Uh, who am I? But I mean, this individual was a diver and uh, was keen on deep water dives and putting on the, the borderline spacesuit and going down right. into these very deep waters where, you know, a, a dry suit isn't going to cut it. I mean, the water pressure is too great. And, you know that was that was a goal it's like oh yeah i we' have got the got the the gear rented in a in a time spot where we're gonna go down to the edmund Fitzgerald Wow, uh, so that doesn't scare you at all I mean it doesn't freak you out and you know it's cold and deep and dark and yeah there there lies the ship, and Lord knows you know what you're gonna find and yeah, oh no sounds sounds wonderful, can't wait to do it, really looking forward to it and I mean you go on the internet and you see. Past dives and people inside, you know the the chart house of of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and oh boy, I I don't know that that to me, you know, water's so dark you're not sure which way is up. Well, all you have to do is listen to the Kayuna Lakes episode
0: right. where we listen right. to Todd Mathies, and he. he he just does an excellent job of taking away any fear you might have it's like his job to say you know this it's a beautiful great experience you should check it out on our show we put lots of scary (laughs) music behind it and I think you said you saw some other diving videos and there's like
1: banjo music or something like that. happy guitar music and yeah here here come the schools of of Northern Pike and and crystal clear water the Cuyuna mines Nope, Bjorn and I like to oh, go, boy. pipe yeah. in all the scary. Good Lord, you're gonna <laughs> die down there. Who knows what you're gonna find in these murky depths? And, well, they're not murky for one thing. Yeah. Uh, secondly, but I know, um, having spoken to a couple people that have done Great Lakes dives, it, 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 that's not the case in the mm. Great Lakes. You start it's 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 hard to see, mm. and uh, the deeper you get, and the colder that water gets, you know, is it's dark. And, mm-hmm. and thick, and uh, somebody was talking at one point on a I think a pBS show I was watching about Great Lake shipwrecks and trying to get down to like about a hundred and some feet at one point in Lake Erie, mm. and just how the water is almost you can't see a thing. I mean, you got the lights on, you got yeah, everything, and it's just there's so much movement down there, yeah, and uh, underwater currents, and you know. You got the cameras running, and all of a sudden, out of this murk comes this shadow of this giant vessel on the floor. And, mm-hmm. and the closer you get, the, the you know now you're starting to read the name of the ship on the on the right. bow, all this kind of stuff. But just the dark, dark water and, and all this particulate matter just kind of moving through the currents. And I, all I can think is, I hope Todd enjoys himself. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. We'll, about it. Uh, w- we'll
0: listen yeah, with rapt know, attention, but. Won't be strapping wow. on
1: the yeah. tanks. So, or. so I'm assuming yesterday that the bells at the Mariners Museum, uh, and I believe, that, I believe that's in, in Michigan. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, they, I know that that, that that bell sounds 29 times for each sailor lost. On oh, okay. Edmund Fitzgerald and, and uh, made contact with Bjorn Jr., who's always been a, a rapt student of that. Mm-hmm. And, and loves the song, you know, and they sing it at camp. And I, I sent him a picture of the ship and said, uh, a one-line text in quotations it said, does anyone know where the love of God goes? And, <laughs> and within minutes, you know, when the waves turn the minutes to hours, uh-huh. like, yep, today's the day. And I, was like, oh, I, hope, I hope you're lighting a candle or something, you know. Yeah, We pay, we pay our, our respects, Yesterday was the day. I mean, like I said, I, I, I still remember being a kid and seeing that on the news and being like, what? What's? What are they talking about? One of the last ships, you know, that was still on the lake, and it, it didn't make it. You know, it's mm. gone. And it was shortly thereafter that I think Mr. Lightfoot cranked out that, that, that ballad that haunts us all. Um, yeah. Although they did say yesterday it was interesting to see the Arthur Anderson, which was closest to the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh. Um, you know, they were trying to, like, get a beat on each other's lights and, you know, follow us, follow us. We're, yeah. You know, and I think they even said, you know, the last report, f- you know, over the radio from the captain of the Fitzgerald was, uh, we are holding our own. Hmm. And uh, shortly thereafter, you know, the captain of the Anderson lost sight of the lights and and, and it just kind of disappeared. It was gone. Yeah. And uh, that ship... Came into Duluth Harbor yesterday, apparently, in, oh. in the teeth of a snowstorm. Oh wow! You know, Probably much milder compared. to... Well, I'm going to guess compared to the the gale that took down. Yeah, took it down in, in 1975, but they said there was the, the closest known vessel that was still still plying a trade on the lakes, and here it is coming into Duluth in the middle of a snowstorm. Wow. You know That must have been is, powerful. Yeah, sitting there in Canal Park, you know, eating a hamburger watching uh wow. here comes the Arthur Anderson, you know, I'm glad to see it made it back. Uh, wow. Wow, man. Forty five years ago today they they managed to make it back to port. But uh had to report that they had lost all contact with the Edmund Fitzgerald and as had the world. So Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: Well, our hats off and homage hats off homage indeed. Well, we do memory.
1: We do have the outside chance at some point we might get uh Captain Dave Stricker. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a fan of the show and and I think he would be interested in in uh, adding his 10 cents worth. He's he's a guy who likes to sail in sailboats um, Lake Superior, the surroundings of Lake Superior and he he told me last time I saw him we were headed to the the Mighty Minnesota Commercial Fishing Museum of which he's a private right. board member and uh we were going up there to do a little work and and uh he was telling me regaling me with tales of doing his captain's test bad weather crossing you you, oh. you, you they they set it up such that you're going to go out at a time when i you know the the conditions are not ideal okay and uh the idea is you make it across to the other side of the lake and uh what he ran into wasn't, you know, 20-foot swells or anything, but, but he was going across in a dead calm, full fog. Wow. That means peace super. If, if you think back to the interview we had, I guess we didn't have it. We were given an interview with a Great Lakes Hochvik. fisherman, Yeah, Helmer Akvik, and he talked about how November hits, and the lake, she smokes, you know. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> straight up, high as you can see up into the sky, the, the lake is smoking, you can't see your hand in front of your face, and he said, "Yeah, we went across the lake. You know, wow. no, no wind had the had the diesel engine running and and uh, going acro- cutting across the shipping lanes, in, wow. in a wall of fog that went on forever." And he said, "Boy, you watched your radar so close. Oh, Listen to that radio so close, because all I could think was, at what point do we hear a foghorn? And there's a you know fifty foot prow coming at us. Yeah, oh my gosh." Says, Thankfully, that didn't happen. They made it across. You know, maybe at some point he'll be able to tell the tale himself here. Yeah, I, that'd be great. I think he'd great. enjoy it, and I, I'll make that offer to the good captain at some point here. Um, but yeah, he said there's a lot of different conditions. He said mine was mine was a pea soup. You know, get across the lake in a pea soup, make make it across, and you'll have passed your test. And, and uh, wow, combo platter pea soup and about a 20 foot swell now that would be oh, maybe Man. they wouldn't allow for that I don't know but I don't know you don't want to add your name to that long list of vessels that vanished on Gitchigumi?
0: I'm kind of I I have this funny vision of of people with clipboards on the other side of the lake waiting for you Yeah, and if you don't make it well
1: I guess you failed <laughs> I mean, what, a we'll, sen- we'll send out the coast guard and uh, you <laughs> didn't pass yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh look it's a rudder you know i'm sorry better luck next time <laughs> next time 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 oh boy <laughs> you wow. consider yourself huh, the luckiest man <laughs> yeah no Oof-da. wow mm. i i i tell you what I'll, I'll stick with the tracker yeah oh
0: my gosh the tracker on like i said deepest part is 26 20, feet
1: well you know we could still put her down in 26 feet but i'd like to think that they will never happen fud that yeah they will never occur I'm sure there's, not. there's a five-foot swell on the gull, we might yeah, put another log in the fire ring and right. start another pot of coffee. Yes. I'd Without a doubt. be would be much you, uh, you more comfy have, that You way. can have it. That's right. That's right. But we do have a few things, pieces, parts coming our way yeah. in upcoming episodes, Fud, that maybe we should inform our right. well, listenership uh, of here. As we mentioned, we did...
0: Uh Couple of months now, midsummer, warm yeah, summer yeah. day. We headed south to the close to the Iowa border, to Spring Grove Soda Company. Spring Grove Soda, and uh, that's that's in the queue. We right. interviewed the um, what was his name? Bob, can't remember. Sorry, I have to. Look I, that yeah, up.
1: <laughs> it's been a while. We're we're a little. Oh, yeah, little, we're a little slow little, on the update. Yes, cold air outside, but, but uh, right. Got to no talk to the owner and, and uh, brewmaster himself, and got a great interview and how. How things got rolling and, and uh, the early days of of making making sodas in, in drug stores, if I recall. And how yeah. you know, all of a sudden it really caught fire and, and uh people loved the flavors and and it just kinda grew from there. And uh well you can find it all over the place. Spring Grove is a a well loved tipple yeah. here in the cabin country vicinities and he gave us a great interview. We're looking forward to sharing that with you soon. We also have uh, upcoming musical giant John Munson John you know, Munson a member of many a band that has had people following acts around the upper midwest Trip Shakespeare Pleasure Semi-Sonic the New Standards most currently the Munson Hicks Party Supply a lot of fun there <laughs> it was good it's just I it was lucky enough to be invited along on a outdoor show a couple of weeks ago and there was the band playing in a in a park and
2: Pretty Saint cold, pleasure. Saint
1: Anthony Park. Yeah, it was cold. They were wearing their fingerless gloves and drinking <laughs> hot tea, and wired into the nearby house that invited them, and and they put on a great show, and and uh, a huge, lengthy curriculum vitae of musical achievements, public radio achievements from great music musician John Munson himself, and of course, this is Cabin Country, so we will certainly be talking with John. About the great outdoors. That's right. Which (laughs) there might be people say, yeah, tell us about, you know, life with Trip Shakespeare on the road and the great acts you open for. And I, frankly, am more interested in... Where do you like to camp, John? You know? Well, you've uh, crossed paths with him many times. We have talked a little outdoorsmanship, uh, indeed, and and he's a man who enjoys the great state of Minnesota. So we're going to get his take on the North Star State, where he likes to go, and, you know, everything from... Your favorite park to what's the, what's the one campsite meal the Munson family likes to sit down on? But I don't right. want to show our hand completely here, Fudd. I'll right. Save some of that for the interview, uh, and then we'd kind of toyed possibly with maybe less from Fudd and Bjorn, and perhaps a little more from the the listeners themselves. That's right. Could you know, speak to that a bit, Fudd. We
0: we we should uh, remind you that you can reach out to us at Cabin Country Pod at gmail.com send us an email and if you want to say like hey how about how about talking about this or if you have a story yourself you want right. to your share and your experiences in cabin country we'd love to make it part of the show also like if you're uh you know you're maybe not residing presently in the minnesota part of cabin country right um but like where you are now and what what your uh, memories of uh, growing up in Minnesota might correct. be, or correct, could be anything. But yeah, it's like,
1: yeah, join we'll j- join us on the dock here. And we've uh, seen from the analytics, we've got some listeners in places like Australia,
0: right, Norway, and I'm just curious parts like, of the Middle East. Are I, these displaced Minnesota people, or it's hard to say? Did somebody think here I'm in Australia and I just want to tune into this Minnesota Midwestern show about you know?
1: camping or let me, let me tell you about cabin country cabin, in, what's in queensland australia or, <laughs> right. you know waddy room jordan we'd love to hear the tales and i think fud i am i overstepping my bounds if i say you can you can email us the tale we'd be glad to read it yeah aloud on the show but at the same time if you're keen on digital files and you've got the ability to record yourself telling the story we'll be glad to add a little background sound for you but uh Right. Share it right here on the show, so you know. Yes, and give of course, you give you a plug, and 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 here's here's a plug in a mug. A plug in a mug. That's right. If you send us a cabin country story from wherever you're at, yeah, there's still some of our fine Welsh crockery. Yes, with the cabin country logo on the front, and we'd be thrilled to send you a.
0: I've been enjoying coffee and, and oh, mine for my two my years goodness now.
1: Gracious, tell me about it.
0: Many it's, it's, many cycles into the. Dishwasher, you know. Without a doubt. They, so it's, they come out clean as a whistle and, and as good do. as new. So. I think mine has a tiny, tiny chip on, on the front, but it gives it more character. That's right. It's like, now, it's like the,
1: the prop of your tracker. It wasn't yeah. truly christened until <laughs> right, yeah. there was the first dent. That's right. You're then doing what you're real. supposed to, is what my cousin, then cousin then Doug would say. Legit.
0: You've christened the boat properly. And, uh, and I've been drinking lots of coffee from, from oh. my
1: Cabin Country mug. Dangerous levels. So dangerous levels of coffee. So
0: Without there you go.
1: Without a doubt. But that's all Ahead? In, in the works, yes. In the works. In the works. And I mean I'm not gonna lie, I, I love the sound of my own voice. But quite frankly, <laughs> we'd love to add your voice to Cabin Country as well. So that opportunity awaits you. And run run that run that web address past us one more time. The email
0: address is uh, cabincountrypod at gmail.com.
1: That's right and uh, you know I, I do check it often a digital story or a, a yeah. print version that we could we could read aloud
0: or if you want to get crazy and tell us what you like or what you'd like to hear more of from the show oh, or that's true yeah we are do you like to hear us gabbing away or <laughs> do, you, do you like it when we interview you know naturalists like Stan Tekella and authors like Mike Mike Lean and right and, uh, yeah, looking forward to musician John Munson.
1: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. He's been gracious enough to agree to join us, and hopefully that's coming up real soon. So,
0: righty Well, without a doubt. I suppose we can uh, let the cabin door shut one more time. and One we'll, uh,
1: more time. The we'll sound see of the screen door time. closing, and we'll see you in the next episode of Cabin Country.